I'm Luca Doncic and this is Locked On Mavericks Podcast. This is gonna be huge. Yeah. 360 in the contract. Never that. I just take the contact. I bring it back. I'm running on the fast break behind the back. Yeah, this that, this that, this that. Jerk with the Welcome. You are locked on to the Dallas Mavericks. My name is Nick Engstead, media member of MavsMoneyball.com, and I am joined. For the first time, hey, Mavs highlights on Twitter. What you got for me, Bo? Man, Nick, it is a uh, good time to be a Mavs fan, unlike maybe like two weeks ago, right? Right. Uh, and so it feels a lot better. So I am doing well. How are you doing tonight? I'm doing great. Bo is uh, obviously on, he's uh, at Mavs highlights on Twitter, and he um, he has these, this podcast called The OP, and it is a good podcast. I think everybody should go and, and subscribe to it and download it. It's a good uh I think it's a good like ying to the yang to the uh, the maps oh. <laughs> the locked on maps. It's, it's it's very different, but he has good guys on there like Nick Nepic and uh, and friends of ours. So so yeah, it's good stuff. Oh, thanks. And uh, today, what we're going to be talking about is uh, what the Mavericks have been doing right in the last couple of games. They've obviously won four out of the last five, and like Bo said, it's been a good time to be a Mavericks fan. The fifty point win, obviously, we broke that down and talked all about that. It's been fun. But uh, but let's just look at what the Mavericks are doing well. What is you know helping them in this streak, and maybe what they can take from this streak? Because the last couple of games, Isaac and I have kind of qualified all these wins. We've been like, well, it's it's the Wizards. Well, it's the Thunder without Westbrook. Well, mm-hmm. you know, it's yeah. the, like this Jazz win. Even Carlisle was like, we need to throw it out. So, but what's like one thing that you think we can take away from this you know stretch of wins that the Mavericks can take from now and push maybe? with for the next like five games or so well i mean five games and then on into perpetuity i would just say that this bench is is gonna they're gonna do what they do like they are when 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 jj's hitting shots when he and dwight have that chemistry rolling when maxi is hitting and you know he went through that cold phase when he's producing not just defensively which he'll consistently do i believe now just game after game after game um when that bench unit can kind of rise to the occasion and be on almost as if not more productive than our starters. Um, I think that the team has a great chance to, and, and I, don't, I don't say this because I don't have faith in our starters. I just, I just see that bench unit as being so productive that they can almost over, they, it's almost reversed, right? Like in most teams, the starters come in, they pound away, they pound away. And then the bench units come in and then it all kind of dips. And so far when the maps are going really well, it's like our starters are playing up to our bench unit and uh, I think that's a – I mean, it, if we could have one of the best bench units in the league, and I, I predicted that, I think a lot of people did at the beginning of the season, um, then I think we can see more Ws come across the board. Yeah, that this bench unit, it's wild. And Carlisle just keeps throwing them out there, and they keep doing well. And I was watching – I had to watch the first half of, of the Jazz game earlier today. And I was watching, and I'm like, man, this bench unit, they just have – they have three guys that can make plays you know, off the dribble – and shoot jump shots, and they're like they're point guard minded, right? Like they they just make plays. They know how to you know move the ball around, and then they have two guys that can do these dynamic things as bigs. You know, you have Maxi who can shoot. You have Dwight Powell who thinks he can shoot and does shoot, <laughs> <laughs> and he's an excellent rim roller, obviously. Absolutely. And then you just have five guys that are just tryhards. You know, like 
if you've ever watched um, Fortnite streamers or video game streamers, they call these sweaties. Like these sweat, sure. you know, sweaties where like these guys are uh, like in their parents' basement and they, they try super hard and they call them sweaties. And so they, they basically have five sweaties like coming off the bench that are just guys that are going to get in there and give it their all. And so we have these crazy stats. Like I think um, Andy Bailey tweets out these, you know, stats threads on Twitter. That was great, yeah. And, uh, and he posted like, this is what um dwight powell's you know per 75 possessions numbers would be and this is what deandre jordan's and obviously you know dwight's is completely overshadows deandre's and you're like oh you know you look at that initially and you think man they should play dwight more he's more productive in his role but because it's in a you know that small kind of sample size he can just go all out and i don't know if that would completely uh, if that would completely you know, last for the, for an entire, I don't know, 30, 35 minute stretch that he might have to play if he was considered a starter. And so I think that also goes for this bench too, in, in, in certain sample sizes and in certain stretches and against certain opponents too, this team, this bench unit just like overmatches everybody, but we can't start getting into this idea of, well, we should bench Dennis and bring, yeah, right. bring JJ up and we should do all this stuff. And I've even seen people say, let's bring Maxi off the bench and, you know, bench Wes or bench, you know, any number of players. DeAndre even, I've seen people talk about. Um, so I, I just don't think that's realistic. What do you think about, you know, moving around that starting lineup? Because the starting lineup just isn't, they're just not producing the way that, you know, they should. Right. Um, Cuban was on with the local radio station this morning. And it was really interesting to hear <laughs> well, this yeah, come he was, and he from did, his he did, mouth. He did not want to be. <laughs> he was not happy that first five minutes at all. No, he was not. Um, answering questions, he was not... Uh, expecting but he but honestly should have been expecting seriously uh, <laughs> anyway, he went he went on the ticket earlier today if you guys didn't see this story he went on the ticket and uh apparently he thought that he was under some impression that they weren't going to ask about the investigation and obviously they asked about the investigation he wasn't super into it you know you can take her from there the dallas morning news i think did a transcript of it so you can go read it there. if you want to do that yeah i'm sure it's out there anyways one basketball thing that he said was interesting um was he mentioned how he felt at the beginning of the season, I'm obviously paraphrasing, that he didn't feel like they really all knew their roles. Like he used that word, role. Yeah. Which is something that Mavs Twitter has been chirping about quite a lot. Like, yeah, Wes doesn't know his role. Well, well, there's the specific player right there, yeah. But like who who is the team communicating the role? Or had they been hearing from the top down, you know, from Carlisle and the other coaches, like, no, this is just all flow. Like, I remember when Carlisle, I think it was last week, the week before, talked about, hey, this offense is designed for four ball handler, you know, that kind yeah, of four, pl- yeah. four playmakers. And if he's, say, if he's saying that to the media, he's he's probably saying that behind closed doors, right? And so Cuban... And it was that much more, too. Right, you would think even more so, right, with more force, right? And so, you, so to hear Cuban say, I think we're starting to find our roles and figure all that out. And that's a paraphrase, but I thought that was very illuminating. Like they've been playing better. Um, you know, and I, and listen, I'm one of the people on Twitter who's been very hard on Wes. I don't think anyone's soft on Wes at this point. Some are just like brutally cruel, but the point is if, if you're acting like he has not played well, a lot of games this season, you're being dishonest. Like he has played yeah. really well. He's had some really good games where, um, his defense is, I think, adequate to average he, he's not at, he's not the vicious bulldog defender that portland west matthews was the pre-achilles west matthews yeah, was never but 
he'll never be there again. He just physically can't be. He's got too much age on him, too much tread uh, is off those tires, and you just the Achilles, the loss of athleticism is real. Um, but he's still a scrapper. He's still you know the old metaphor. He's a warrior, right? He'll, he will always fight, uh, and he can just absolutely flat out hit catch and shoot threes uh, at, at a great percentage. And um, not enough has been said about how, I mean, it drives us, a lot of us crazy, but he has hit this running floater that every time he does, did it for the first like 15 times, I was just like, oh, Wes, please, this is what, what I call on Twitter, bad Wes. Like, yeah, oh, yeah. to go, this is good, Wes. This is bad. And bad, bad Wes is starting to turn me around on like, I think he's added that running floater in the paint, you know, where he comes off a pick, dives into the paint. Um, and run and this floater, he hits it more times than he misses it. And that's a hard shot. And so, uh, I think he's been playing well, but you've noticed kind of, the, he's been playing a little bit more with the, the, the bench unit now. And Dorian Finney Smith is getting to play a little bit more with the starters now. And so it, it looks like stubborn Carlisle. He loves his, you know, rotations. He gets like locked in on those things, you know? Yeah. I think he's starting to kind of show a little more flex cause he's a, he's a great, brilliant coach and i think he's starting to kind of lift the numbers probably that his data team is feeding him he's starting to make some decisions based on that and i think we're seeing some good results yeah let's uh let's take a quick break and when we come back uh, i want to address the the you know the west matthew situation and then i also want to address carlisle's rotations as well because there's something coming up and not coming up in this podcast but coming up that uh carlisle's gonna have to address and gonna have to figure out and he may have to address it sooner rather than later All right, so the, with the with the West situation with his floater, like the video that I did, and if you haven't, go to my YouTube channel uh, and go watch the video about West Matthews and why Mavs fans are mad at West Matthews. Like I break down his game and everything. When West, the, the I don't think the problem is his skill <laughs> as far as you know floaters and posting up because he's good at all those things. He makes these turnaround shots. He gets in the paint and, and you know has a great floater. Like. The only problem is he does it in bad situations. He just his decision making, I think, has been the big problem, and that's what sticks out so much to to Mavs fans because you can do the floater if nobody's around you. You get a nice screen from from somebody. You come around a corner and then you're wide open in the paint. No one's around you. But if Donovan Mitchell's like clinging to your hip and you're trying to do this <laughs> floater, like he has six ten wingspan, he's gonna get right. there. Uh, or in the paint, the same exact way if he tries to post up. That's you know the situation. Or if he's uh, he's posting up and like Derrick Rose is behind him and he's quicker than him and he tries to post him up and Derrick Rose comes around and you know steals it. Those two two plays that have definitely happened. Uh, and so that's that's the Wes Matthews situation. I, I never thought that it was like his skill. It's been his decision making. And I think he has taken he has kind of taken that back seat these last you know five games or so. I don't have his uh, I should look up his you know shots. I don't have them in front of me, but it seems like he's taking less. He's definitely taking less than 20. <laughs> he, he, was right at, like, he was at like 20 shots, 17 shots the first couple of games. Uh, and it really seems like he's, you know, pulled back offensively. Yeah, this is the Nick Angstead 10% rule on Wes Matthews. Is that right? Exactly, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I've heard that, yeah. No, he definitely, uh, yeah, Wes's bad plays look worse than most players. Like, they really do because they usually involve him – dribbling into a crowd and the ball just squirting away and like you're like oh man that doesn't look good but i mean it's still just a turnover on the stat sheet right like it's still just a turnover like like dennis's turnovers occasionally look horrible but we want him to have the ball a lot more right yeah. lucas lucas has been dishing out a ton of turnovers but we want him to have the ball so i think it's a lot of it in addition to what you're saying is sort of this embedded kind of idea that we don't want West playmaking. We don't want him doing. We want West doing what kind of we have been taught that he is his role in the past, 
which is catch and shoot. You know, one or two, an escape dribble's great. Make a play every once in a while. But like you said, to start off that season, he was consistently leading the team in attempts. And I think the rest of us, I won't speak for everyone, I know myself and a large group of Mavs fans were just like, that's probably not the right way to divvy out shots. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I'm not a basketball coach, but I don't think that's what's yeah. supposed to be happening. <laughs> I'm not Red Arbach, all right? Let's just say that. But that doesn't seem like a great strategy from here's a really his, good coach. Here's his attempts the last you know five games or so. Uh, right. Against the Knicks, six shots. Against the, the Wizards, he had 14 shots, but he hit seven of them, 22 points. It was the Wizards game. Uh, 10 shots against the, the Jazz, seven shots against the Thunder. He missed the game against Chicago. And then uh, against the Jazz the other night, he had uh, five shots. We only played 20 minutes. So it, it, he has reined it in. Like, at the beginning of the season, he was like 19, 15, 21, 17, you know, a whole bunch of shots. So it has it has really you know pulled back. And I don't feel like Mavs fans' ire is completely against Wes right now. Who do you, who do you think is – Getting the brunt oh, of Mavs frustration only, right now. There's only one name that goes atop that list, and that's DeAndre Jordan. Uh, <laughs> I mean, obviously, uh, we all got uh, hot and bothered with the oh, he pushed, he pushed Luke out of the way for that <laughs> rebound. And you know, with the very fact that Carlisle addressed it with the media and right. admitted that they said something behind closed doors about it. And you know, when you we all watch that replay a thousand times, the fact that. You know, Cuban smacked his hands together and yelled something out. The kind of the look from the bench, you get the sense that that's a no-no, right? But did you uh, see in that ticket interview that Luke, that Cuban yeah. addressed this, it, or it, in uh, and, for Dallas Morning News something? He had, he actually addressed this. I actually want to read the quote now that we're talking about it. this. Yeah, go for it. Um, I think where the confusion early in the season was, and DeAndre's the first to tell you, he's going after every rebound. Cuban said. Even my reaction. The reaction was, I wanted the ball in Luca's hands because I wanted the fast break, but I know DeAndre is going after every rebound. Hmm. I don't know about that one, Bo. I don't, yeah. know, I don't uh, know about that one. This is this is what they like to call in the political world yeah. spin control right here. Like this, <laughs> yeah. I mean, on the ticket interview, he even mentioned how he's like, listen, I'm one of the greatest. Re-. He's like, does it was funny. He kind of like did a little DeAndre impersonation. He's like, listen, I'm one of the greatest rebounders in the history of the game. You know, he's, he's like, he makes no apologies for it. He's gonna try to gobble up every rebound, and so that's that's the spin they're putting on it now, and that's and that's fine. And plus, I thought, and I was I was right there hollering along as well. But like, I think the fans made too big a deal about that. I, where that is a problem, it's that if that is a symptom of a larger, deeper issue, yeah. you know, like like the fans were saying, you know, that's at the same time that some people were saying, you know, they're freezing out Dennis, uh, freezing out Luca, and all that kind of stuff. Uh, which I which I, I don't believe that. I do believe the offense has struggled, and it, you know, Luca was getting frozen unintentionally on those wings for long stretches of, of game time, uh, where he just wasn't impacting the game like we all have been able to see that he does. Uh, but I don't think it was an intentional, you know, uh, I don't think it was a conspiracy by the veterans to not give the ball to the rookie to teach him a lesson or something like that, which is what some fans were postulating, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And it, even initially, my my response, you know, I, I gift the, the clip of DeAndre still in the rebound. And I said, uh, oh, DeAndre Jordan pulling a Westbrook. And I thought it was funny. I didn't think that, you know, it was such a big deal. But then you start watching it again and again and again. You you try to – you assume what Luca's face looks like. And you're like, oh, man, what if he's, like, really upset? Yeah. <laughs> like, like, what if he's really mad about this? And then you see Car- and then you see a Cuban in the background. You're like, man, he looks really mad. <laughs> maybe, maybe this is something that – and you start, like, thinking into it too much. And, and uh, I do think – I do still think that it's a thing. Uh, and I'm actually working on a video that should be out by the time this drops, maybe afterwards. 
uh, about this whole DeAndre thing. And I think that all of this, like, kind of um, helped them in this last win. I think it all kind of motivated them, all of this stuff. I do still think that it's interesting that, you know, such a small report as, you know, Tim McMahon set right. this whole team off and had such this big response by everybody. What did you take by the uh, the report? Uh, and well, if you guys I, haven't heard the report, if you didn't listen yesterday, the report by Tim McMahon was, don't be deceived by DeAndre Jordan's solid statistics. He has been a major disappointment for the Mavs. He has rubbed teammates the wrong way with what they perceive as selfish play, the most blatant example being when he stole an uncontested rebound from Luka Doncic by putting his forearm in the prize rookie's back and tipping the ball away. Jordan's disinterest in playing help defense has been a big problem as Mavs opponents light up the scoreboard. Yeah, I, I agree with – I heard you uh, discuss that earlier on uh, – is it yesterday's pod where um, – Yeah, run, I mean yeah, – They all run. Yeah, they, they, they all, the, the days can bleed one into the other. Uh, but, uh, you know, McMahon's not putting – he's not fabricating that. He's not a sensationalist guy. Now, he is always putting the hottest thing out there that, yes. that you know, that he yeah. feels is appropriate. That he, he, and- he, report, he reports with an edge, but it's not false. So if he's saying that <laughs> – He's heard that from someone, right? Someone and if, and if you've ever watched him, like literally in person, um, and I've seen this so many times, either when it's the away team or even the the home team, or both, like he'll go bo- to both. Some, but one one player says something, or a coach says something. Like let's say Carlisle says something about Dennis and Dennis shots, mm, exactly, and how, so let's yeah. say Dennis took too many shots. So Carlisle get or Tim McMahon gets that from from. Carlisle makes he, a beeline. He takes that quote, goes on, exactly. goes directly to Dennis Smith Jr. And then Dennis Smith Jr. is like, well, you know, blah, blah, blah. And he responds to that. He'll do that in imposing locker rooms too. He'll say, you know, like the Draymond Dennis Smith Jr. thing from, from his rookie year. I, I saw this literally happen. I, I, I honestly followed him to the Warriors locker room because I wanted to see what, what he was going to say. And so he got the quote from Dennis. He's like, I'm not scared, blah, blah, blah. Then went all over to the Warriors locker room, got the quote from, from Draymond Green, and then walked all the way back to the Man, listen, first off, that's that's a good way to do like aggressive journalism, I think. We don't have a lot of that in Dallas. I mean, that's basically all they do in New York, right? It's that's because like all the journalists to are too the slow. Pile. They couldn't get to both of them in time. Maybe that's it. Maybe <laughs> slow is the is the reason they don't. Uh, I personally think Tim is, and I don't know him at all, but I think McMahon's one of the few uh, one of the few guys in the media who isn't scared of Carlisle, you know, I, I think Carlisle's probably pretty intimidating. And yes, I've heard yeah. Tim ask him question after question and not back down, not in a rude way, not in some sort of mean, challenging ego way, but just like, Hey, I, this is my job. I have to ask these questions. And so uh, I like that about it, but he definitely, I think, uh, I think it's a little bit, I've heard him enough on the radio to know it's a part of his personality to stir the pot. Oh and yeah. That, that's his thing. And so I, I, as a fan, I, I'm glad to read that kind of stuff. But, yeah, as far as the little blurb that he, he produced, I, I, I would not be surprised at all if they're disappointed in DeAndre, specifically in his defense, right? Like yeah. in the fact that, that it just doesn't look like he challenges uh, as many shots as we would have hoped. He almost seems to have a strategy to not challenge shots sometimes. Like, like what do they call it, a business decision, right? He's literally trying to not pick up fouls. Um, when, when, and I kind of have just this motto of like, I would like for once every game or every other game for him just to put some, someone that comes in the paint for him just to put them on their rear, like not a flagrant, don't get thrown out, nothing dirty, but just like, Hey, Hey, big daddy's in here. Like I am, this is my paint, right? This is where I, this is my home, the paint you, you little guys, you go shoot those threes and I'll get the rebounds, but you come in my paint and you better fear I'm going to put a body on you, you know? And he really is almost 
I think he has that persona, right? He has that kind of big dog persona, but in actuality, like he, he, like there was a play in the Chicago game. So what's that two games ago um, where he, Levine was attacking and he literally backed away from him and gave him the, like he literally just put his hands up at like Levine's hips and Levine scoring a layup. And I'm just like, you're so tall, dude. You're so, (laughs) you're so big. Don't, don't dive into the guy. If you think he's got you beat, just go vertical. Just go vertical. That's what I that's what I heard people saying, like, okay, so he doesn't block as many shots as he used to, right? But yeah. he's such a menacing, big, big bad dude that if he just goes vertical, he'll change the trajectory of so many shots you won't believe. And uh, I just haven't seen that. So that that's where I believe there's probably some disappointment. More than him grabbing a rebound from, you know, from Luca or someone like that. Well, and the Mavs shouldn't I mean, they shouldn't expect him to fix their defense. You know, this is something that Isaac and I tried to talk about all summer. Is, you know, DeAndre's not gonna come in and fix the defense. You know, they've got in theory at least three, you know, plus defenders in Wes, Harrison, and in DeAndre in the starting lineup. But then you have two incredibly negative defenders in, in Luca and Dennis. I mean, uh, Carlisle said that Dennis had a, a good, solid defensive performance the other night against Utah. And I don't even know how much that's, you know, that's true. I think he, he maybe made some defensive plays, but like that's, that's kind of what Dennis is as a defender. He's, he makes plays. He'll, he'll get steals, you know, he'll do things. He'll, he'll sometimes get chased down blocks or he'll, you know, block somebody just because of his vertical. But, He's not going to solidly defend somebody one-on-one. And anytime a screen comes, he's not going to fight through it super hard. And sometimes he can't because he's just too small. Um, but, yeah, it just, DeAndre's not going to fix the whole defense. And I think it's kind of a bigger problem than just DeAndre. But he is part of it. I, I do yeah. believe he's still part of it. No, I 100% agree. He can't be the sole solution. But I'm sure they were banking on him being a big part of the solution, right? Yeah. And I think – I think I need to look this up, but I think mathematically the Mavs are currently worse on defense now than they were last year. And I know the whole the whole league has jumped into this radical pace well, and all ap- that. After, after last night <laughs> – well, they're, yeah, yeah, yeah. They're Here we go, top 68 ten. Points. They're top ten in defensive efficiency right now. So, yeah, it's, all, so it's that's better like than they, last year, but it doesn't really count. Yeah, that's a certainly an anomalous sort of a stat that'll blend itself out. Well, another thing that I, just just in passing that they've been doing so well recently uh, is they they just have been shooting as a team really really well. Just while we were talking, I was able to kind of crunch the numbers of the last three games. So it's just the last three, um, but these are all been wins. So in the last three games, they're shooting uh, just under fifty four percent from the field as a team. Yeah, Not that'll help. Yeah, right. That making more than half your shots. Good job. Yeah. And they're shooting just over forty percent from three. And so, like, you're going to win a lot of games when, as a team, you're hitting those numbers. I mean, obviously, for this unit, I mean, those are like warrior-like numbers. Those are the Dubs. They put up numbers like that, not our Mavs. Uh, but you know, if you're putting up numbers like that, you're going to grab a lot, a lot more Ws than else. Definitely. All right, let's take a quick break, and when we come back, there's a player in the league that got benched tonight, and I want to discuss him. All right, Bo. So, the Denver Nuggets. Ooh. They've been having some issues. Yes, they have. Um, the last couple of games. I think they started nine and one, and I think right now they are nine and five. So they're on a four-game losing streak. They're trying to get out of it. Trying to figure out what to do, and uh, they have this issue. Their starting point guard is not really a point guard, <laughs> which the Mavericks kind of feel like their starting point guard isn't really a point guard. Some nights now the Mavericks have. Luca, who can do the playmaking stuff, he can do the point guard kind of stuff, he can do the take over the game kind of stuff. The Nuggets don't really have that. Gary Harris is, is definitely a two guard, you know, definitely a wing player. He's not an all on ball kind of player. And so 
tonight against Atlanta, they benched Jamal Murray for Monte Morris. Uh, and then Josh Eberly on Twitter, who is uh, – I actually don't know what he does. But he, I know he's a Mavs fan. <laughs> I think he, writes he is for, a best like, fan. I think he yeah, writes he, for like Hoop Mag or something like that. I think he does, yeah. He and, looks uh, and so he he said, Dennis for Jamal Murray. Who says no? Bo, who do you think says no? Dennis for Jamal Murray. Well, I don't say no. <laughs> Listen, I'm a Mavs <laughs> fan. I don't say no to that. I love Dennis. Uh, but no, I think I think uh, Jamal Murray is I, I think he if he can tap into it is an unbelievably, you know, good shooter. Now he hadn't it, it's so weird to say someone should be a great shooter, and then they haven't been a great shooter, right? Like, you can look at their stats, and you're like, oh, this isn't at all what I expected. Um, so as far as just overall, I would probably say yes to that deal because it, you know what it does is it makes Luca your primary facilitator. It, it just kind of erases that whole share the ball. Not not You obviously have to have multiple capable ball handlers on offense in, in 2018. Um, but it would just, it would just be the team's way of saying, listen, we're going to bring in another shooter slash scorer and Luca, you're going to be the primary facilitator. Um, and, 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 you know, Denver would be, would be trusting that, you know, Dennis can be a ball dominant point guard who can facilitate to those big guys, even though we know that Joker is going to do a lot of that facilitating for them um, and pick up a whole lot of those assists. So I would do that. And, um, and it's, it's not because I don't like Dennis. I love Dennis, and I want him to succeed. If you tell me Dennis is going to achieve 80 to 90% of his ceiling, I, I wouldn't. I would hold on to him. Uh, I, I just have questions there. What, what about you? What would you do? I, I would definitely make the trade. I think Jamal Murray, it's so interesting. He's kind of had one good game this year, and it was when he scored 48 Celtics, points. Sure. <laughs> and then other than that, I mean, he has some solid shooting games here and there, but he just doesn't do – it doesn't really seem like he does a whole lot else. Uh, and that's kind of what we're saying about Dennis too. So I would I would definitely make the trade because of the shooting. You know that's what you that's what you need next to to Luca. You need somebody that can shoot well. We've seen it you know a couple times here. And, and Dennis has been shooting really well in this in this win streak when he gets yes. these these catch and shoot threes from Luca. He's he's hitting them and he's hitting them well. And uh, and so yeah that that that's been good and that's been encouraging. We you know I don't think a lot of people were questioning his catch and shoot ability because it no. seemed like that was one thing he did well last season. He just didn't have a lot of attempts because there wasn't another, you know, playmaker there out there. Because uh, Harrison Barnes, God love him, and God does love him, but he does. But God love him, he does not lift his head up if he's going to the basket. He just nope. he just puts his head down, and, and so we're kind of seeing like, man, Dennis didn't really get a lot of opportunity to play off the ball last year uh, with somebody that's actually going to get him involved. So. Uh, but what do you think Dennis's ceiling is? Let's let's hit that because I find that kind of interesting. That's a that's a fun conversation. First off, if you would tell me in two seasons Dennis is going to be an average defender, I would get I would throw a party. I would just be like Dennis is going to be an average defender. Okay, because at this point, and like I said, I'm an optimistic Mavericks fan for life. Like that's you know that's what I am. I'm not I'm not feigning some sort of great objectivity here right like no i am a subjective bias Mavs fan yeah uh and so if, if you told me he could be an average defender i would say his ceiling is probably like a mid-tier all-star i really do because I, I think what i do believe his shot is massively improved his like you said his catch and shoot numbers even last season his rookie season as a 19 year old turning 20 were actually very solid now, like you said yeah. you can get next to any opportunities. It was a small sample size, but he was very consistent. Uh, I haven't checked since the Jazz game, but his corner threes, 
Now, it's a small sample size, of course, but his corner threes, uh, the, the stat before the Jazz game was he was shooting 75 wow. percent on corner threes. And it's a small it's a small number, but, you know, he, he is a solid catch and shoot player. Uh, and obviously his athleticism is absolutely through the ceiling. And so if you told me, I mean, the dude's probably not going to hit his prime. He's at 75 percent from corner threes. Right. Yeah. If if you told me. He doesn't hit his prime for four seasons, and he's only going to get increasingly better over those next four seasons. I would say if he can be an average defender, because that means a lot to me. I, I need to know that you can at least hold your own. You don't have to be yeah. a lockdown guy. You don't have to be a shutdown guy. We're you got to be like Steph. You got to be like Steph. You got to be able to hold your own and you know fight around screens and, and do the do the things because you're not physically gifted enough. Dennis yeah. is more physically gifted than Steph, but you're not physically gifted enough. You don't have the wingspan. You don't have the you know, the innate, you know, mind like Draymond Green to be able to be in the right spot all the time. You have to be able to do the little things, hustle for loose balls, do things. And he's doing some of that. We, we've seen yeah. him hustle for loose balls now. Sometimes they're, ball, they're loose balls that he let go himself. <laughs> That's for sure. Yeah. No, effort is rarely what I ever see being his problem. I think he gets yeah. down on himself really fast and that impacts the way he kind of operates on the court. Um, but but it's never effort. It, it does look like he's no never been really taught to play basketball, and that's one thing that people in the know have told me. Like in the AAU circuit, they just don't play, they don't teach basketball. You got, uh, they a, don't band, teach, you got they, a band over there? Yeah, I do. On my phone. I'm sorry. They. Uh, <laughs> I'll mute it. They. Uh, they don't teach defense in the AAU circuit. You know, like it's just all about hey, you do you, you get your buckets. You know, you get your name out there, create your brand, all that kind of stuff. And, and then you know, he missed his senior year of high school, and so. You know, and then he was injured. All of these things, I think, stack up into it being understandable that he doesn't have a great concept for defense. But he definitely does not have a natural understanding of how to to d anyone up. And then, like you said, there's the physical limitations of he has a very short wingspan um, and he's not that tall. And so he's going up against taller guys and much longer guys. And it, and then he doesn't have the natural IQ for it. So yeah, I, I would I would say average defensively is probably his ceiling. Um, and that, that would be optimistic, I think. Um, but if, if, if he hits that ceiling, I would say he's like a mid tier all-star, not one of those guys that like, you know, Devin Harris made an all-star uh, appearance in the East when the East was really you know pretty weak and he had a stellar season for the Mets. Like, I, I'm not talking about that. Level. I'm talking about a, a level above that. Like he, he makes several all-star appearances. I'd say that's probably his ceiling. What do you think his ceiling is? Man. So you're, you're thinking he's like a John Wall kind of. Because John Wall seems like he's kind of that mid-tier. Without the attitude problem. <laughs> yeah, like just like level of play. Yeah, I think he could be a guy who's regularly in contention to be an all-star in a given season. I don't think I want to say how I feel like Dennis is going to be. because oh, you'll get hate. You'll get hate. Then, then everyone will come at me. Okay. I, I just don't think – I think that – I think Dennis's ceiling is kind of more of like a Mike Conley. You know, he's, he's, oh. kind, of, he's kind of at the level where – there will be several seasons where people will be like, dang, Dennis Smith Jr. Dennis Smith Jr. should have made an all-star team, you know, one yeah. of those couple years. So he'll be like a, you know, a 20 per game scorer, you know, five to seven assists or something like that, you know, five rebounds or so. And, uh, and if he gets to that solid defender level uh, and next to Luca, like, let's say that they're, you know, a 60 something win team. Finally, they, the, the team is actually, you know, uh, you know, created in the right way. They have the right role players around them, and those two guys come into their own. And are if they're still together, let's say. Um, but I think if Dennis is ever going to make an All Star team, it's not going to be on the Mavericks. I don't think because I just okay. don't. I don't think the fit with Luca. And I, I would be grateful to be wrong about this. I just don't think the fit with Luca is going to be. They're not cohesive enough to have that kind of result yet. 
And you, you feel comfortable enough kind of making a judgment like that and one of them is 19 and one of them is 20. You after, don't think after like, 13 games. <laughs> <laughs> You're looking into a deep level crystal ball right there, my man. Well, as, no, uh, but, as the great Jonathan Charks once said on the, uh, the ringer podcast, uh, Let's let's say stuff. Let's be crazy. What's the point of what's the point of being politically correct on a on a podcast or being being contained? <laughs> and, and like, but you know, or being just... responsible. That's what he said. What's the point of being responsible? <laughs> <laughs> you know, like you, your comp with Connolly is a very. I mean, like that's not a, a dig at, at Dennis. Like Connolly is a well respected player, right? Like people love playing with Mike Connolly. He has a great reputation, and he is one of he's one of the best players to never make an All Star team, right? Like so. Um, so like if, if that's, if he hits that, that's still really solid for Dennis's career, I'd say. Or like maybe a Josh Howard, he'd have to like, he, like Josh Howard level, you know, he'd have to, to ride the coattails of, of Dirk just to get and Josh him. made it once, right? Is he a one-time all-star? Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's what I thought. Okay. He's like the one, all, people point to like the one all-star to ever play with Dirk and it's Josh Howard. You're like, ah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> like right now, like this, in this NBA, Josh Howard never make the all-star team. No, he can't shoot. Yeah. Like never, no. It's, I, it's I, wild to look back, and some people are like, "Oh, the NBA was better in the '90s and in the 2000s." Like, no. Look no, at the just, All Stars right now, man. Like, look at the people missing the All Star game. Like Blake Griffin yeah. didn't make the All Star. <laughs> yeah, the game has never seen more skill than it's it does wild. right now. It's, it's awesome, insane. and I love basketball. It's the best. <laughs> I agree. All right, Bo. You want to promote anything else? Your podcast, or let people know what it's like, or anything else. No, yeah, our podcast is just called The OP. You can find us on Twitter at The OP Pod, or you can find me on Twitter at Mavs Highlights, doing just a bunch of Mavsy things. That's all we kind of focus on. Uh, our pod is, is uh, you know, stat-heavy, anal- a- um, analyst-driven. We kind of, like, love to do game recaps. And um, and so, yeah, if you want to, please check us out. You can find us on Twitter, uh, or you can find us on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, all those fine places. With very clickbaity headlines and titles <laughs> in your podcast. I've got to rival you. I've got to rival you, Nick. <laughs> All right, guys. Thanks so much for listening to Lockdown Mavs. Oh, he didn't do it. Peace out. Boom. Boom. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know you wanted me to do Isaac's part. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs>